Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Alan, welcome to episode 20 of Rule the Roost podcast. My name is Raj Baines and I'll be your host for the evening. We're tenuously calling this uh, episode the Michael Dawson special to promote some sort of Yorkshire link. Uh, joining me tonight is, is Jack Petterford rather than Jack Hussey. Jack's out enjoying Christmas somewhere, I believe. But um, the founder and the owner of the, this rapidly growing Spurs Statman Empire. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good. Nice to be on for the first time. I know it's it's um it's good we've tried to get you on before but um it's just yeah not worked it just out. hasn't worked out has it but finally made my appearance <laughs> right so if we start talking about uh, and finally a win after a few bad results Fulham away what did you make of it I didn't actually see the game I was out last night but from what I've heard the first half we were not great but then we changed it up a bit in the second half and thanks to two screamers we've come away. With the result, so you can't be too negative on it coming away with the three points. No, have you have you seen the goals? Yeah, I saw both of them. They're cracking, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think the the standout performer for me was. Have you seen the Loris saves as well? No, I haven't, unfortunately. But the I've heard, Lor- the heard Loris saves are actually better than the goals. I mean, there's there's three absolutely world class ones in there. Um, he was fantastic, and then obviously Kirakesh scored that screamer out of nowhere with his left boot and. Holtby scored the winner as well yeah. but I think it's the result is probably more important than the performance again because it's it's going to give us a little bit of a lift winning a game later on because it's something we started doing this time last season at this point was yeah. having that belief and winning so um, I'm quite looking forward to that now Yeah me too I, well last season we had the Everton result wasn't it the um, two late goals and then after that we seemed to step on and start winning and turn our season around which hopefully this season although turn it around it's not like we had a terrible start or any is it two points or fourth still three I think now I think Everton Everton and Liverpool are on 27 and we're on 24 yeah so we're still there it's not as bad as everyone's making it out to be to be honest no I mean the other results on the night because Newcastle got spanked um Man Man United lost and Southampton Southampton lose as well yeah they did yeah Villa wasn't it yeah. We we actually went up three places, so yeah. in terms of that, it was it was good for us as well. But because it is your first uh, appearance of the season, what have you made of the of the year so far? Then what have been your your highlights and your your lowlights and things like that? Oh, highlights. Well, I'll start with the lowlights. Obviously, the city game <laughs> that was shocking. But we've moved, seemed to have moved on from that. The United game we played well. Different formation with Dembele 
Paulinho and Sandro all starting, but we seem seem like that worked with the um, three central midfielders of Paulinho playing more of the behind Soldado role. Yeah. So I'm not sure how well we'll use that going forward or not. Um, highlights are probably it's hard to put a, pick one out to be honest. Um, just to mean a very steady start to the season. We haven't really shown uh, shown how good we can be, but we're still in touching distance. So once we do, I know everyone's been talking for weeks now about gelling, but once the team does gel, we should be in a good place to really make a good drive for that fourth place. I think you explaining that your highlights of the season so far is probably why so many people are disgruntled because we haven't really had one really standout positive moment as yet. No. Every time we've won, it seemed to be slightly, slightly deflating to win. Seems a strange way to put it, but it almost has been like we've we've won, but we've not performed. So. No, we haven't gone out and spanked a team four or five nil, have we? Really? Not yet. No. But Sunderland this weekend, hopefully, and that's a, a good segue yeah. into that. Yeah, See, yeah. we don't need Jack on this podcast. That was professional as fuck. That was, <laughs> that was brilliant. He's, he's out of a job. He's sacked. <laughs> You're the man to make that decision as well. Um, he's still there. <laughs> I was going to say, how annoyed do you get when people think that you and I are the same person? I find it funny, to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, this is the first time everyone's going to hear me, but I mean, you can go on the website and it's all there. You can see who we are, but you get people thinking it's your alter ego and things like that. <laughs> there was someone, wasn't there yesterday, thinking. Of, Face palm, they thought you were Spurs Statman all along or something like that. I mean, people do it all the time. I don't understand how because what did th- I've hired someone to take those photos with? Or I've just invented a character. <laughs> <laughs> I've invented a character to hide behind. Who knows? <laughs> it happens quite often. It's yeah, pretty... strange, really. Well, anyway, that that sorted out so that people don't think that I've got some sort of multiple personality disorder. No. Um, to Sunderland and oh, there, Gareth. Hello. Do you want to um, tell everyone about your, your podcast, mate? Um, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're an independent Sunderland uh, podcast. Um, been going for about just nearly a year now. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're probably the only Sunderland independent podcast going, really. So, What's the name of the podcast? It's um... it's called uh, Wise Men Say is the name of the podcast. Right, and it was actually Jonathan Wilson of, of The Guardian and several football books that turned me on to yourself, so you're obviously well thought of. Well, we've had him on one, so maybe we've just returned a... Well, not even returned a favour, he did us a favour, so maybe he was just uh, sort of scratching his brains to think of if there was anybody out there who could do it. So, Brilliant. yeah, he probably uh, was scraping the bow. Brilliant. So, um, Sunderland, actually, probably one of the more interesting teams in the Premier League this season from an outsider's view. Probably a, a little more annoying for yourself hearing that. But, um, mm. What did you make of your summer? I mean, obviously before all the, the management changes, how was the summer for you? Um, obviously, um, we played you in the, the Asia Trophy and, and we won. And I think a lot of people you know, quite got quite excited at that point. Um, just because, you know, Canio, you know, he, he does a lot of talking. And uh, we signed a lot of players through. We, we set up a new system, a director of football system, which I assume you're familiar with yourselves, yeah. Spurs, um, which was very new to us. A lot of people were on board with it. Um, and we signed 14 players. Um, and we were quite excited. We were sort of, you know, it, it was new. Um, so I think, you know, when 
when when new things happen, people get excited about them. Um, and then the game started, and we had one point from five games, and De Canio sort of outed himself as the, you know, I wouldn't maybe go as strong as the the Charlotte and accusations that O'Neill made, but he was kind of in that ballpark, and uh, you know, it was kind of from elation to you know devastation really in the space of six weeks. So you're um, definitely definitely positive going into the season, and you you kind of fed into what De Canio was claiming the club could do. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it wasn't so much De Canio. I mean, there's a few of us really who always had a doubt about De Canio from a number of perspectives. Um, you know, you look at, you know, I'm sure you might have been familiar with Cabral, who scored in the game against yourself in the pre-season game. Yeah. Played all through pre-season, um, started the game against Fulham and dictated the game and then was dropped. And we haven't seen him since he's played half a cup game um, and he's gone so he's, he's just festering the reserve stuff like that so I mean that's just a microcosm really I mean Di Canio you know talked about himself a lot um, and you know he kind of you know tapped into the passion that a lot of Southern supporters have um, and kind of you know manipulated that maybe slightly um, and you know, he's probably still got some supporters now, to be honest with you, um, because we beat Newcastle 3 0 under his stewardship. So, Sound- sorry, Roger. Go on, Jack. Sounds a lot like um, Ramos's start under Spurs, bringing a lot of new signings and then great pre season. Bentley, what was it, the hat trick against Roma? It was, yeah. And then, I mean, what was it, how many, however many points from eight games and it just fell apart. So it sounds similar to that in retrospect. I think I think Ramos probably had a bit more about him than Canio, to be honest. Um, and it, it was you kind of look at Spurs in that situation, looking back, considering the quality of players you had, you signed Ben that summer, didn't you? Yeah. And so we beat. I think we beat you the open day that season, didn't we? You think we beat one one nil. One nil, Michael Chopper in ninetieth minute. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. So I think you had Ben on the bench, and Ben cost like twenty million quid, and he was sitting on the bench. So, I mean, you had Berbatov. Um, did you sign Hulson that summer? No, I think he'd been there before. But we, it was, there. we'd had De Santos that summer, I think. That might have been yeah. even been. Was it the season before we got Bale, or it was around that time that Bale was yeah. Bale was brought okay. in as well? So yeah, that was a similar sort of thing as Jack says. I mean, it was only seven games into the season. You obviously swapped managers about, but there was a, a time in between because it was it Kevin Ball that was caretaker for a few yeah. weeks before Pay actually came in. Yeah, Kevin did the the interim um, job. I mean, he he took the he took three games. The won a cup game against Peterborough, um, and we lost to Manchester United at home and um, another another top team at home. Who I'm ragging my brain to remember off the top of my head. Liverpool. That's that's the one. Thank you. Um, so yeah, um, you know he did okay in those games. I mean, Kevin's a you know big. You know, we've actually had his son on the podcast, actually. Um, but Kevin's a, you know, he's a Sunderland legend, really. He's sort of like the Gary Mabbitt. I'd, I'd, I'd equate him to like the sort of the Mabbitt of Sunderland. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot of good ideas. Um, and it was probably touch and go um, between him and, and Poyet for the job. But, I mean, I heard that Poyet was being interviewed on the night of Kevin Ball's first interim game in charge when we played Peterborough. 
I was aware that Poyet was being interviewed for the job in London. So, you know, it was obvious that he was top of the list. What do you what did you make as a whole then of the of the entire Decanio reign? Because obviously it was it was a flash in the pan the amount of time he was there, but he, he kept you up one season and then he seemed to have this huge summer behind him before he ultimately fell off. Um well, it's a bit of a mystery really. I mean, you know, people the you know, the, the old stereotype of you know, football hotbed and all that sort of thing. Um you know, he came in and he had the right sort of attitude and mentality and he kind of bought into that working class sort of thing and a lot of people got on board with it. Um, he was very, obviously, disciplinarian. I mean, a lot of people may think he was probably quite a modern manager but because he, he came through the um, a lot of the uh, coaching academies with, you know, top marks, um, highest marks in some respects. Um, and he didn't really, didn't really see that when he came. Um, to, it's a difficult one. I mean, yes, he, the keeping us up thing is a funny one. Um, yes, he did. I mean, he got the points to keep us up, but I mean, we only need about four points to stay up. Do you think O'Neill um, would have kept you up? I don't know. Um, I mean. To be honest, at the time, I thought O'Neill probably would have taken us down. I mean, after the Man United game, we lost 1-0 at home, which isn't a bad result against Man United at home, I guess some would argue, but it was just so flat. Um, there was no energy. And I think you know, O'Neill lacked in invention. Um, you know, in the transfer market, I mean, to, to spend £5 million on Danny Grimm. And I think that sort of, when you talk about the summer that we had, um, you know, the kind of players we were bringing in with sort of players from Europe who had European pedigree who cost a lot less money than people like Danny Graham. I mean, anyone could start the scout with Danny Graham. You know, we signed Adam Johnson, the pass on O'Neill and Stephen Fletcher, who are both decent players, but they cost like 20, 22 million pounds for the pair of them. I mean, anyone can watch Match of the Day and look at those players and say, yeah, you know, you, you might take a punt on them. You know, there's the skill in finding players for the right price and and that's what um, Ellis Shaw wanted to do. And Ellis Short approached um, O'Neill with Defani, our director of football, in March, February time last season. And I don't think O'Neill was too keen. So it was always going to go the way of a director of football, regardless of, of who the manager was, to be honest. Um, but going back to O'Neill, would, would he have kept us up? You know, you'd say... On a good instinct, after the Manchester United game, probably not. Um, but the fact that we only need four points to stay up, on on in hindsight, I think he probably would have got the four points we needed to stay up. Um, but obviously, Decanio, you know, beat Newcastle, beat Everton at home, we're a bogey side for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What do you make of um, Payet then, since he's come in? Because obviously you got smashed at Swansea, was it your first game? Four nil. Yeah. But um, it's been better since then. You've beaten Newcastle, which is coming a, a good thing for you lot at home, isn't it? You've yeah. done that the past few seasons. And then lost to a Hull, which is probably disappointing away. And then you beat Manchester City, which is a, a big result. I mean, we know how hard it is to play Manchester City. Yeah. So, um, well, 
I mean, the Man City game's a funny one because we, we've beaten them four. We've beaten them four games in a row at home, one nil on every occasion. Um, so that it's kind of a we kind of their bogey team, which is a bit of a novelty. This one's probably somebody's bogey team, but yeah, they, they haven't scored in the last four visits to the stadium of light, and uh, we've beaten them every time. Um, so there was nothing new there in some respects. <laughs> the, the Newcastle game, we've only beaten them at home. Um, since 1979, we've only beaten them at home twice in the league. Um, and that one of them was Poyets. We beat them once under Keane, and before that it was 1979. So, you know, that's quite a big deal in, in isolation. Um, but, you know, having just, I mean, it would have been nice to talk about in our podcast tonight, but I mean, a couple of lads we got together and discussed it. And even after a defeat last night, Poyet, um, you know, he's probably the most interesting manager we've had in a very long time. Um, you know, we had a good spell under Peter Reid. It's pretty, pretty one-dimensional. Um, all the managers, even though it was successful, it's pretty one-dimensional stuff. I mean, we, we've always had that in the managers we've had over the years. It's, it's you know, a lot of people said about the lack of Plan B that Poya had it at Brighton. Well, at Sunderland he's really shown that he's got a lot on his locker and um, he's been very impressive. He's talked about stuff after games and the following game, you've seen the implementations of the stuff he's talking about. It's been progressive. Um, you know, we're not used to playing out from the back in Sunderland. Um, sometimes when, I don't know what it's like at Tottenham, but at Sunderland, when passes go across the back, two or three, people don't like it. Um, they'll, they'll mourn and, and, and sort of grumble about it. Yeah, that, that definitely happens. Yeah, but at Sunderland, it seems it's weird. It's like people have bought into it. Um, you know, brought Manone came in. He, he came in for uh, Westwood, and in the whole game when Westwood got injured and he's retained his place. I know he's an ex-Arsenal, so you know you probably got a few opinions of him. But his distribution's good. He plays out from the back. Brown coming back's obviously been a massive boost for us because he's such a good player. Um, and he's he sort of brought up you know him and O'Shea together are excellent. Um, so you know he's built from the back, key dropping in. You know he makes up the back three when we play out, and then you know the full backs push onto the halfway line, and we sort of build from there. And and if he, I mean massive credit to Poyet because I mean even if we go down this season, you know I think a few Sunderland supporters out there are really starting to think we've. We finally found something, you know. Maybe it, I, I don't know. I don't know how you've done things at Spurs in the past, but you know, any training in games and managers decide that they're just going to chuck on loads of strikers. Yeah, I don't know if, that, if that's ever occurred at Tottenham. I think that occurs currently as well. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, what what happened last night is well, I say last night. I don't know when people listen to this, but on a Wednesday night when we played Chelsea. He brought on Fletcher. Barini was playing from the left already, but we managed to keep our shape. Even though he brought those four players, all those four players were playing together. It wasn't just a case of we'll chuck all these people up throwing the load in the box. There, there was logic there to what he was doing, and that's all you ask for. Um, so yeah, I think I mean Poyet's been massively impressive. I think a lot of people were sceptical, um, but you know he's won me over and. You know, I would, I would go on with him and say he's probably possibly the most 
intelligent and progressive manager we've we've had in my lifetime at, at Sunderland. I mean, Jack will back me up on this because it's something that's often discussed at Tottenham and you touched on it several times there. It's the style of football that your manager is playing important to the crowd because it's almost a, a friction currently with us. That even though we're statistically we're doing very well in terms of picking up points and winning games, the, the style of football we're playing perhaps isn't as conducive with the Tottenham way, as we call it. It's not as perhaps as yeah. free-flowing and as an attack. More slow-paced from the back, isn't it, this last couple yeah. of seasons under AVB? Yeah, so it's it's much more considered and tight than perhaps under Redknapp where he was a lot happier to just let players express themselves a bit more than, than the rigidity we're, we're currently experiencing. Is that is that something that's important to Sunderland fans as well? I think at Sunderland we've always had this sort of... I mean, in my lifetime we've had Reid. I mean, Reid was the... You know, we had a fantastic time when he was here. I mean, he, I mean, you came up to Sunderland. I think we beat you two nil, maybe two one when when we when we brought us up. Um, and it was just you know, this, I would say it was like a swashbuckling style, wingers overlapping fullbacks, crosses raining in. Um, you know, Phillips and Quinn up front, and and that's sort of been the benchmark for the for the modern era because we've been so unsuccessful um, as a club in the last fifty years. Um, and now it's like everything's measured against that period of success when we moved into the stadium and we finished seventh twice in the Premier League um, and that's kind of something that maybe people associate I wouldn't say we we're, we have a an identity and that is something that maybe De Canio kind of intimated towards you know promising in the summer and it just never materialised in any way shape or form and um, Whereas Poyet's come in, he's been. I mean, the, the word I would say about Poyet is pragmatic. You know, it's it's the pragmatism that he's shown. And you know, we played Southampton in the cup, and then it was like we're playing Poyet's way. We hadn't. I mean, we beat Newcastle, but we didn't play the the, the Poyet way, I guess, you, if you want to term it. Um, and then we played Southampton in the cup, and it was it was him all over. And then there was a lot of debate about whether we approached the Manchester City game in the same manner and um, we did which was really surprising we con- I don't know if you saw the game but we controlled that first half yes they had a lot of pressure in the second um, the back end of the second half um, and it's funny you touch on Man City and we seem to have gotten that you're beating them and I just think you know that, that what, I, what, I, what I saw when I saw Spurs play Manchester City I don't know if that's indicative of um, the rest of the season Maybe you could have. I just think against Manchester City, if you defend your 18 yard, 18 yard line and just sit in um, and be solid, and they kind of run out of ideas around the 18 yard box. Whereas when I saw Spurs, they were so open, and you know they just, you know, Man City were just at will getting in behind, and that, that's I don't know. If, obviously, um, I know Tottenham have got an excellent defensive record this season. Aside from that Man City game and the West Ham home game, where did he concede three in about the last fifteen minutes? You're really yeah. opening several wounds here now. <laughs> no, sorry. Well, do you know what? what, what I'm, I'm interested in all your opinions on AVB, actually. Yeah. What? What exactly? Just generally, I mean, what? What are your thoughts? Go on, Jacko. Because uh, quite a few people don't seem to agree with the ways running the club, or well, not running the club, but building the team and method that he's trying to introduce to the team um, this season but I think he's the right man personally there's no reason 
I mean, the results of the 6-0 and the 3-0 stand out as being poor. But aside from that, we have picked up a good number of points this season. Um, more, one more than last season, which was our record. So it'd be absolutely stupid to get rid of him at this point. Um, the people that are calling for him to get out um, are the ones that still are probably upset over Redknapp leaving. But aside from that, there's no reason to get rid of him at this point at all. Yeah, I, I, I really like David to be. I just think he's, you know, I thought he was harshly done new at Chelsea, and I, I like his attitude. I like, I, I, you know, I think it would a fair play to him in the press conference last week when he when he <laughs> stood up to those two journalists. I thought fair play because yeah, that was great. You know, people try picking stuff out, people trying to pick him to bits, and I think that there's a red nap agenda there. I, I agree with him. I think. You know, I mean, even the question in the press conference was like, oh, there was a question about the legacy of Harry Redknapp and all this kind of thing. And because Harry Redknapp had made some comments about AVB and what he needs to be doing, what he should be doing. I mean, you know, Redknapp's in the team full of Premier League players and the winning, even 1 0 wins occasionally. And on the top of the players that Redknapp's got in that league, he should be at the top. Of, he sh- they should be miles clear at the top of the championship. I mean, if they've got Asu Koto a left back in the championship, I mean, he's the best full back in the championship by a country mile. The stuff like that. So I think it's a bit rich if, if Redknapp is coming out and having a pop at AVB over stuff. But, you know, I, I think AVB is great. And, you know, I think that the issue from an outside looking in, I don't know if you can shed any light on this, but um, when I look at you know, Tottenham is an outsider. It's that they obviously received a lot of money for Gareth Bale, and then you've bought some really good quality players to replace him. And now it's a problem of incorporating those players. And I just wonder if maybe the the main problem that you've got is you spent a lot of money on. How much did Soldado cost? Twenty six million. Yeah, twenty six. So there's a there's a massive pressure to play him. You've got to play Soldado. I mean. The Lamelo one's a funny one because he's your record signing, isn't he? So, and he's a young lad, so you've kind of got that excuse in a way as a manager where you can say, well, he's not quite ready yet, and we can integrate him gradually. I think when I look at Tottenham as an outsider, it's Soldado, who I'm not saying it's a problem because I think he's a good player, but I don't really think. I mean, I comp- kind of compare him to Stephen Fletcher at Sunderland. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the one's better than the other. It's just in a system where Fletcher plays for Sunderland, he doesn't impact the game enough. And I think Altidore is a better option for us, even though he might not give you as many goals. When you look at someone like Soldado, I just don't think... I don't think Defoe's the answer either, by the way. I think the best striker on your books, from an outside looking in on the team you've got, if you're going to play a striker, one up front, is probably Adebayor to give you the option that you need. Yeah. I think Spurs almost is set up, in a way, for... They're a prime team for a false number nine, not to be like some sort of football hipster or something like that, but you kind of look at them and go, they've got all these front dynamic front players and you could play it. You could have that false number nine in there. You've got uh, Sigurdsson, who's your fair play to Sigurdsson for stepping up because he was one who was probably talented to be, you know, discarded when you brought in all these players. Um, but yeah, I just thought that well, the thing about Spurs going forward is just the lack of a bit of fluidity. I think maybe Soldado's at the at the heart of that, and I don't think that's his fault. Maybe it's just not his game. I don't know what you think, but that's just as an outsider looking in. No, I 
completely agree with what you said. Um, I, I don't think, as you said, that the, the problem actually lies with Soldado himself. Um, because with a striker like he is, somebody that is just there purely to score goals, I mean, the build-up play that he gets involved with is very good when he does. I mean, the number of goals we've we've scored off the back of him dropping deep and somebody from further down midfield pulling on in front of him is, is probably where the majority of our goals will come from this season when they are scored few and far between. But um, I think the reason he's struggling is because the players behind him are to some extent. Um, I mean, the amount of players we've brought in and the age of them as well. I mean, the, the most creative players we've got on our books are in their early 20s. So they're by no means the finished product. The, the players they're replacing, Gareth Bale, Luka Modric, uh, Rafa van der Vaart, these were players in their prime 26 years onwards. I mean, Gareth Bale was probably the youngest at 24, but they're still like Eric Lamella, who's his probably his direct replacement, if you will. He's three years younger than him. So he's got got time to, to develop as yet. So they weren't always going to necessarily fall on their feet as, as they could do. Um, so I think once the team find their feet together, um, I don't think we'll have any problems whatsoever. I think then you'll see the finished product because at the end of the day, Soldado's almost like the cherry on the top. If the cake isn't there but beneath him, if you follow my analogy, there's... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Nothing to put a cherry on top of. Um, very tenuously explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the soul, I completely agree with you, Addy, by our point as well. I think the weakest of our three strikers is Jermaine Defoe. I don't know if, if Jack agrees. Yeah, definitely. Um He's an impact sub at best. Like he's, the way he's been going on about wanting to get game time to be in the England squad, I, I just don't even Redknapp, who Defoe followed Redknapp around or however you like to see it. Redknapp wasn't starting him in Redknapp's last season, and that shows that he didn't have the belief in him, and neither does AVB. So he's definitely not up to being our main striker. Yeah, so uh, there are many, um, many actually overlaps between ourselves and Sunderland in, in that regard. But um, what do you what do you think you're going to do for the rest of your season then? Moving away from talking about Tottenham's misgivings, which is what we spend our lives doing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd rather have Tottenham's misgivings than Sunderland's. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, when, when you see Tottenham fans complaining and calling for a manager's head in crisis, you, you think back five or ten years. To it's really one. not that bad, is it? Let's be no, honest. I mean, oh no, we're not going to be playing the Champions League, but Disaster. ten years ago <laughs> we were... Fighting off relegation, so yeah, 
Well, so, I've got. I'm, I really like Tottenham to be honest as a team. Um, you know, I, I personally like. I, I enjoy watching them, and uh, I, I, you know, I. I think I say I'm a big fan of um, Phil Ashbourne, so you know, I think I think he conducts himself really well, um, and you know I, I hope he gets them in the top four. Um, he's got the players to do it. I just hope he gets. I just you know I'd like to see him. You know, given that like the pre- like who's creating this pressure on him, um, I don't really understand it. Just give him a chance. Give it. Give it time to sort it out. You can't just say like, "Oh, well, we've given them this money and we expect instant success," which is what some people on on the outside. I mean, I bet you some. I bet you a lot of Tottenham supporters pull their hair out with that sort of attitude towards the towards things. I mean, it's the media who creates the pressure on Villas Boas, and he's he's challenged that in his in his latest press conference when he had to go to two, um, the Daily Mail journalists who. You know, particularly Martin Samuel, who's obviously, um, you know, still a very big uh, Harry Redknapp fan. I mean, he Martin Samuel, someone who's had a go had a go at Sunderland in the summer for, you know, ruining the British game and signing, you know, signing all these foreign players, and then you know, labelled Michael Mandron, who's in our reserves, as who played against Tottenham last season, actually in the last game of the season, as a as a Russian. Well. He's French with Scottish citizenship, and he's. I think <laughs> Scottish Scotland are interested in taking him. So, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a slight tangent, but you know, someone like Martin Samuel when he comes out, I mean, AVB should tear strips off him because, you know, he's you know he's got, in my opinion, he's got nothing good to say about anything in English or British football. You know, and if his opinion's worth anything, then you know, God help us all. But you know. <laughs> On, on the subject of Avivio, yeah, and, and Tottenham in general, yeah, I think they're they're a good side, and I enjoy watching them, and they've got some good players like Ericsson and, and and stuff. But having said that, the weekend I do fancy Sunderland. What you're talking about, question was originally about the season going forward. Um, I actually fancy us to to win at the weekend, um, just based on the fact that Tottenham maybe are a little bit goal shy at the moment, um, and you know. I don't know where are Tottenham most comfortable in breaking teams down. Um, what do you, what are your strong points when when you're playing a team? What do you prefer? What kind of side do you prefer to play against? Someone that's going to try and attack us. I think another side that wants to play football is is something that we're better playing against. Um, I mean, the, the amount of times we've had teams come to White Hart Lane specifically this season and park nine men in a flat line across our, our penalty area and then we we fail to break them down unless we get a penalty or score a screamer is is ridiculous i mean it's it's becoming beyond a joke the amount of teams that play negatively against us just because we've we've now built that reputation as one of the better sides and we don't perhaps have that that final cutting edge that that final product that that the teams higher up the table have have got through through years of competing up there so it's um that's that's slightly more disappointing. Um, I mean, I think what you've under- said from Poyer. I mean, do you think that you're gonna you're gonna come out and try and try and play as it as own game then? Um, I think we'll we'll do what we've done, and that's we'll we'll play out from the back, and um, we'll try and keep the ball. Um, it's I would say it's a sort of medium paced sort of build up to stuff. Um, 
the fullbacks are quite important and important in Poyet's system um, because they kind of make up the extra man going forward. So not in this the traditional overlapping winger sense, uh, overlapping fullback sense, um, but so somebody will drop in to cover that fullback area and you, they'll be your runners. So he'll sort of build up slowly from the back and maybe try and get that ball sort of that diagonal in behind to get the fullback in and then have runners coming on the ball. Um, that's what I've seen up now. I mean, against Chelsea, it was a little bit different. I mean, we we played with Fletcher a lot before, whereas when Altador came in, um, he sort of, Altador's far more suited to, to Poyet's system. Um, he holds it. He can knock it and then get in behind and run and he can win free kicks. And, and you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen Dawson. I think Dawson's okay. Um, but, he, you know, he had a bad time, didn't he, against Manchester City. But I don't think that's entirely his fault. I think that's your quota okay. of mentioning that Manchester City game up now. I mean, another time I'm going to cut you <laughs> off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've been stuffed by plenty of teams, probably including yourself. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you, Jack, how do you see the game going then? Do you think that we'll, we'll have a better chance of winning it away from home and everything? Yeah, well, our form this season has been better away from home than at home. Um, so, I mean, if we go there and Sunderland come at us, if we play similar football to what we did at United, where we looked a much better team than we have done the rest of the season, I'd fancy us to take the three points, maybe a 2-1 win. That's what I'd go for. And what about yourself, if you if you had to make a score prediction, Gareth? I, I, I do fancy us to, to, to win the game. Um, just... I think we'll we'll look a decent side at the moment, even though we're not getting the results. And I would say probably two one reversal the other way. It'll be tight. I mean, I, I can't see the, there's not going to be loads of goals. Um, I can't see that. But you know, both teams both teams will be capable of winning the game. I mean, we we are bottom of the league, and let's be honest, as, as Tottenham fans, in the position you're in and what you all are going to achieve. You've got to be looking at the game and going, right? It's got to be three. It's got to be three points. You come to Sunderland, you've got to be thinking we've got to get three. Not that I know I'm not going to say, oh, it's arrogant to think that it, it isn't because we love games that earmarked for three points because you have to you have to win those games. So if Tottenham want to challenge for the, the top four, can't come to Sunderland and not get anything. So. You know, yeah, I, I totally respect I that. We've actually got a, quite a poor record in the northeast. I mean, St James's Park, we're quite we've we've not won in that often as I can remember in the league and stadium like it's the same. I think we won two one last season. It was two quick goals, wasn't it? That yeah. We scored yeah. After yeah. Game was it? Uh, you beat us the season before, or did you? Uh, yeah, I, I remember where What was that statistic, Jack? We're unbeaten the last six against Sunderland, so three of those at the stadium are like. So we haven't been too bad in the last few seasons. Sorry, I remember, I remember, sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I remember last season was um, an own goal, and um, was it an own goal? Yeah, was it Quillar? Quillar and then uh, Lennon, I think, scored, didn't he? Yeah, Lennon scored a really good goal. Yeah, um, and that was just we were on a little bit of time, and I think he came out and we kind of ran out of ideas after he got that second one. Um, I remember he got a late equaliser against us relatively recently. It was it Robbie Keane? I think got one. He always scores against us, so I think he got a late one. Yeah, that's quite a few um, years ago now. That 
is it? And I remember one where Cranshaw scored. We we took Lee to Jean, and then I think Cranshaw scored a volley, and uh, somebody else, uh, Dawson got an equaliser, I think, and then Cranshaw scored a, a winner in the second half. So I mean, we haven't got a great. We've probably got. We've probably been more competitive at White Hart Lane actually in recent times when I sort of think about it. I know we beat you down there um, a few seasons ago under Keane, or quite a few seasons ago now. And, uh, you know, we've always been quite competitive, I think, at White Hart Lane. I don't think we've ever been really turned over. Um, but, you know, as a Sunderland supporter, Tottenham is a game, it's bonus. Like, what I would say is it's bonus points, to yeah. be honest. Um, because you you know if you can get anything from those games that's great and I think people I don't know what your opinions are when you look at the the bottom three um, you know because my argument always is because people are talking about well, how many points you've got it's not how many points you've got it's how many points you need at the end of the season to stay up so when people talk about points at the bottom or and it'll be the same for you going to the Champions League places you look at that and go well how many points are you now off the Champions League? Or four points, is it? Three or four points? Three points. Off, uh, three points. Uh, yeah. So that's that's not an insurmountable target. If you were, you know, people set targets, you know, there's 40 points for relegation. I don't know what it is for the top four because we're never anywhere near there. So it's I, about I don't 70, know what the, 72, 70. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it'll be anywhere near that this season. You know, in the bottom three as well. I think you'd be looking at what? Bottom three. I think you could steal up with 35 points. Top four, well, I don't know, 68 maybe? It's really you congested, get you... isn't it? I mean, this season yeah. is more unpredictable than any other. I mean, because yeah. I think with all that added TV money and some teams buying really well and some teams unexpectedly doing really well, like Southampton and you know small clubs like mm. Liverpool doing well now, it's, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> quite surprising. But um, I mean, you're you're only on eight points. So do you, if you had to put money on it now, if you had to bet, would you think you were going to stay up then? I honestly do believe we'll stay up. Just comfortably. You, not, I'm not saying comfortably. Seventeenth, seventeenth is what we want. <laughs> I take that seventeenth, no problem at all. Um, I, I think Poyet is, you know, five points isn't an insurmountable thing. I mean, we've got West Ham the next game after yourselves. And then we've got um, Norwich and we've got Everton and Cardiff. So, you know, we, I don't know if you're aware of our um, home fixtures, but we had Fulham on the opening day and we had Newcastle. And aside from that at home, we've had... You're, you Basically, you're the end of the gauntlet. That, that's what I've called it. So we've had Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea... Um, Tottenham on Saturday, um, and in Liverpool. So we've had a very difficult set of home games. I mean, if you had all those home games in a row, I mean, it's difficult to play. I mean, if you're at the top of the league, it's difficult playing those teams at home. So to be down the bottom and to be saddled with those fixtures, and then you know what it's like going away from home. It's tough. So we just haven't been able to get into a into a rhythm but I mean the first five games as well under the Canyon were a bit of a write off yeah. um, so Poyet sort of started with this kind of almost 
you know, handicap really. But I don't believe in keep us up. I mean, it's only five points. Yeah. Hello. Hey, yeah. Uh, we've sorry. We, uh, sorry. Moving on, we've we've had a few listener questions in. Uh, okay. Just obviously, you've probably seen them on Twitter flying around. Yeah, I had a look. Yeah. So one we've had from somebody who calls himself is an is an Dio at is is that name is uh, if that's how you pronounce it. it says um, how much do you miss Danny Rose? Um, well, Danny Rose was a left back, which is something we're not too familiar with. It's something because we never have one. Um, to be honest, I mean, we've something we really struggle with, and Rose Danny Rose was very popular. Um, very good quality player, and I bet he'd be your first choice left back, would he not? In your yeah, opinion, probably, yeah, definitely, yeah. So if you if, if you're missing him and he's your first choice left back, well, you know we're your bottom of the league, so we're missing him. Um, very good player, great attitude. Um, you know we would have loved to have signed him permanently, um, but you know I mean he's he's too good for us really. I mean he's a top quality player and. You know, having he improves your side having a bit. Um, another question we had in from um, Edward. Was, were you going to say something, Jack? Sorry. I was just going to say this time last season we probably would have let them have him, but now we're absolutely missing him big time. So it shows how quickly things can change, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, when when he went on on loan to Sunderland, he was almost surplus to requirements. We redeemed him because we had a couple of players that could fill in there, and Asu Kotto playing well, but. Obviously, he's fallen out of favour with the manager, and we've got Jan Vertonghen, who's <laughs> like a child when he plays at left back because he, he throws his ties out the pram. You can see it on his face as soon as he walks out that he, he doesn't want to be playing there. So, uh, the sooner Danny Rose is fit, the better for us, really. Um, we've had a, another question in from Edward. Uh, Edward PRZ is his Twitter name. He, he said, um, What's the Sunderland supporters' view of your American chairman? Because um, there's quite a few American earners in the league now, and um, there's always a, a different view on how they how they run affairs. Um, well, when he, he was brought in by Niall Quinn, um, and, and kind of Niall Quinn was the the sort of the main man, really. Um, Doug Ellis. When, isn't it? Um, so it's uh, Ellis Short. Ellis Doug Short. Ellis was the below. Oh, Ellis Ellis threw me. He's, I need yeah, Ellis something. Got to some end up with Doug Ellis. <laughs> so, the, how, yeah, Alex, but, um, you know, he's put a lot of money in. Seems to be in the right place. Seems we're born. You know, when we beat um, Newcastle last season, um, he well, I can't remember. Was, uh, my memory's fading, but I think it was after that game he went out and went to an Indian restaurant with his friends and bought everyone and everyone's meal in the Indian restaurant, all these kind of, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with stuff. There's probably equivalent stories in it's Spurs. No, we've got Daniel Lee, who's our chairman, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. yeah, well, we all know, we know about Daniel Levy and driving a hard bargain, to be honest. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, transfer dealings with all of yourselves. We'll give you five million for Rose, how about 15 million? That's, that's the way sort of Levy goes, it seems. But, um, yeah, I mean, Levy sure... Daniel Levy would probably see a tramp asleep on the street and nick his cup of money. That's that's the sort of man Daniel Levy is. But yeah, we get that impression as well. But um, yeah, you know, he's his heart's in the right place. He's not really a football man, and 
because I think that's something we, we might be lacking. The 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 um, Defanti thing's an interesting one because Short brought Defanti in. Um, he, Defant, I don't know if you're familiar with Roberto Defanti, he's our director of football. He used to be a, an agent. Um, obviously, once you become a director of football, you can't be an agent anymore. Was yours? Was it Damien Camoli? Was yours? Is that am I misguided? That's a while ago, yeah. Who is your director of football now? Franco Baldini. Franco Baldini. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if what, what his situation is. If he's done it before, but Defanti's never never done it before. Um, and he's come in, and kind of the blame's kind of shifted onto Defanti for our lack of success this season in some ways. But the book starts with short. In some ways, um, I mean, he's not unpopular, and uh, he's done. I think he's done okay. Um, his heart's in the right place. He's not, you know, doing his sort of. He's well. He doesn't wear a football shirt over a dress shirt, so he's all right with me. <laughs> I mean, would you swap him for Mike Ashley? Being <sighs> <laughs> me, um, no, absolutely not. Um, but you know, Ashley is a funny one because you know they they don't mourn about them when they're winning. <laughs> so I'm sure you're familiar with. I'm sure there's Arsenal fans. I mean, they always mourn about the fact. Well, they wanted to bang a sack, didn't they, on the uh, opening day? Yeah. That's turned around quick. So yeah, football is fickle, as we all know. So we might all hear the short three weeks time. I think that the true test is the end. The end of January under Poirier. Let's see. Um, but you know. Ellis Short, I'm okay with him, and he's done okay. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for your time, then, Gareth. Um, no problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for giving us your evening. That's, that's all right. I had nothing better to do. I've, um, a, I've had to listen to a few a few episodes of the Wise Men saying it's a very good podcast. So, well, thank you very much. If you if you want to listen about Sunderland, I'd um, I'd get in that. <laughs> do you? God help you. <laughs> all right, then, mate. Turn up. Cheers. And thanks very much to Gareth, as we say, but um, if we just want to preview the game between ourselves, Jack, um, yeah. just to expand on what we said, how do, you, how do you see it going? What do you reckon? How do you yeah, think we'll set out? With our prediction 2-1, I'd like to, I really, I know many Spurs fans won't like to hear it, but I don't want to see Dawson starting. The last few games, he just hasn't looked up to it, has he? Um, no. is, Kabul, is Kabul's fit, isn't he? Kabul's strange because there seems to be some sort of whispers. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's almost been monitored on a day-to-day basis, in a yeah. similar manner to what Ledley was. But yeah, still, I've seen that. You always see photos of him training, so yeah. he always seems as if he's fit. But he almost seems to get cherry-picked as as and when he plays. But I mean, Dawson's somebody that we've we've picked on before, and he really hasn't shone himself in the best light this season. I mean, no. the reason that we're so tentative to kind of say anything bad about him is because he's a figure of adoration for us all. He's, he seems to love the club so much. Yeah. But he, his performances just haven't been up to it this at all. I mean, it's been very, very strange and, and very unlike him. No. Because, I mean... I, no, go no. Uh, I was just going to say, I think as soon as Rose is back, they're better, really. I'd love to see um, Vertonghen and Kirikesh together... Both they're both similar in the fact that they like to be have the ball at their feet and play at the back. Whereas Dawson, those long balls absolutely do my head in when he picks up and punts it 30, 40 yards, trying to pick out Lennon. It's like it's never going to work, really. 
I think he's only done it like successfully one or two times yeah. in about ten years. But um, I completely agree. I mean, Kirikesh and Vertonghen will be quite scary at centre back because it'll be like having two David Luizes because they're, yeah. they're both going to be trying to outrun <laughs> each other in the middle. Um, so, what do you think tactically? How do you how do you think we'll play? Do you reckon we'll continue with this system of having Dembele, Polino, and Sandro starting? Um, I'm not sure if is Sandro going to be because they've been talking about whether he not or whether or not he can play the two week two games in a week. So I'm not sure if AVB will go with him or whether or not he'll bring Kapu in in the similar system or <laughs> or not. Um, but if he is fit, then yeah, I'd like to maybe see us use a similar formation that we did at United. Or um, I'm not sure. What do you think about Holtby in the number ten? Do you think he's good there or he he? He turned the game when he came on against um, Fulham, and I think his his best performances for us in the Premier League have actually been when the, when he's come on late on yeah. in the game. He's just so energetic, isn't he? Yeah, and I think his performances when he starts are almost they're not as as impactful as that. And I, I'm I'm almost thinking that he might be better as a substitute, which quite a bad thing to say about someone who hasn't played as much as maybe he should have done but yeah, he's definitely got time to improve there I mean that goal he scored he scored a couple of screamers this season already so he's got yeah. that in his pocket and um, I mean, there's a few balls he played last night there's a lovely one-two with, with Aaron Lennon late on and there's a few pingers that he put about that were just really nice to see and he, he grabs the game by the scruff of the neck and he, he seems to lift the other players on the team because he's so enthusiastic because he seems to have he seems to be mates with everyone in the team, no matter who they are. You yeah. always see him in training ground photos, being the one that's hugging Sandro and Polino, jumping on people's backs and stuff. He always seems to be a well liked character. Yeah. So um, I'd like to, I'd like to see him given a start. It'd, it'd be nice to see him pick one out. And I think uh, the the two centre backs at Sunderland aren't the quickest. Uh, Wes Brown and John Ashear, so he could do well there. What do you think about up front? Because obviously Soldado was rested. Do you think we'll go with Defoe again? No, no way. No, he's he's just not on. He just can't be in this. Like as an impact sub, when he comes on and has a good, like he'll come on and score. I'm saying now, he'll probably come on and score twice against Sunderland. But <laughs> he's just so one-dimensional, isn't he? Like he'll pick the ball, look to shoot, and for if he's on for ninety minutes, it just doesn't doesn't work. Whereas Soldado, there, I know he's. Goal scoring hasn't been great this season, but he does look to bring other players into the game and link up well. Whereas Defoe is just wasteful most of the time. He's only Soldado's only only actually scored two less than Negri. Yeah, I saw you tweet that earlier. Actually, yeah, that's very strange. Well, if that um, I was watching that. Have you seen the Spurs Vines Twitter account that's popped up? Yeah, the guy um, sits there taking photos of YouTube um, videos. I think he tweeted the Soldado goal against Villa, and you see that goal. He, sh- he, he, sh- he shows what he's capable of. You just got to bring him into the game more, which hopefully, as everyone learns how each other plays, all the new players. I think that's all... probably the highlight of the season, isn't it? That that Villa performance was the first yeah. time it looked like it it was going to work, and then I can't remember who we played after that, but it just stopped Nothing. again. But no, I fancy us for the win. To be honest, we'll just have to see how we get on. I reckon we'll win as well. I think um, I, I'd go for one nil away from home, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the, the form that Loris is in, I think I'll definitely be more, more, um, more confident if if we don't play Dawson. But saying that, have you seen the size of Altidore 
I mean, if there's one man in our team who, who can stop him, yeah, Arsenal will probably be. give him a physical fight. Which is he kept Lukaku quiet, didn't he, when we played Everton? He did oh, keep I him fairly him. quiet. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 not somebody just to elaborate on him that I'd I'd want to sell. No, definitely not. Because he does have a role to play within the team. I mean, even as like a, an older player, just to be around the club, or especially when we're playing cup games like um, last season, Leeds away, for example, we had. Corker and Vertonghen at the back and they both because they'd never played in an atmosphere like that before Corker looked shell-shocked that yeah. you know, players were running at him and Vertonghen just looked a bit scared at the fact that there were all these you know badly educated northerners screaming <laughs> things at him <laughs> and that seemed to whereas Michael Dawson thrives on that type of occasion yeah. he, you know he gets stuck in so I'd, I'd definitely keep him around for that if we we need a, a dirty job day and he's there to do it but um I think that's just about it this week. I mean, hopefully we've between the two of us we've filled the the void that Jack um, yeah. has left us. Uh, it's the first time he's missed one. I've I've, I've missed him a little bit. It's been <laughs> nice to have him on, but um, yeah. he should be back next week. Um, we'll we'll do his best to to keep on over Christmas. Um, and as as a listener to the podcast, Jack, you've you've listened to most of them apart from obviously this one yet that you've you've been on. What have you made yeah. of them so far? Are you. You, yeah, we've got the boss's approval. Yeah, they're great. Um, didn't his trunk doubted me that I wasn't listening, but no, <laughs> very enjoyable. Um, can't fault him really. Thank you very much. Well, um, if we if we just say goodbye to us, obviously you can uh, read all of our articles that are on the website. That's actually what I look after. Um, so if you want a distinction between the two of us, that's probably my domain more than anything else. Um, so that's www.spursstatman.com we'll have a, a few articles going up soon um, I can't think off the top of my head what they actually are but there'll be something there as there always is you can obviously follow the main account at Spurs Statman, which is what you look after and yeah. I, I occasionally play on when I get bored <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's my own account at uh, Baines13 Baines XIII written in Roman, Roman numerals as it is somebody had taken 13 as a number Unfortunately, um, and there's the um, the podcast feed at RTR SSM as well, where we we put out requests for questions and things like that. So, thanks very much for listening, and come on, you Spurs. <laughs>